around and comfort all the year. So when we get a little time before our boat gets going, we head on down to the library and this is what we hear. Come on and look all around, there's plenty for to see. Make your own self right at home, I love the library. Welcome to Homegrown Conversations, a collaboration between KFSK and the Petersburg Public Library. I'm Kari Peterson. Today, I have an old recording from Heidi and Roxy Lee talking about the history of the Little Norway Festival. This conversation was recorded in 2010. Well, hi, Mom. Hi, Heidi. <laughs> We thought we'd get together today to tell a few stories. I know you were involved in the early days of Little Norway or Suttendamai. And what can you tell me about how the first Suttendamai got organized? Well, it was in 1958, and a fellow from uh, Juneau came down and was talking with the Chamber of Commerce. And his name was Dutch Dewar, and he started saying, you know, most towns have some kind of celebration. And I know where I came from in Germany, and he went on and on. And, and people in the audience thought, well, that's pretty good. That's something that Petersburg probably could do. We could have a spring festival. And the two women that uh, really founded it then were Alma Wallen and Bernadine Tronis. And Alma Wallen was the mother of Darlene Kahn, 
and the grandmother of uh, Tony Rogers and Vicki Curtis. Mm -hmm. And they still help out with the festival these days. Anyhow, and so it was started then. It was very, very small. And uh, some of the women from the Sons of Norway had some uh, costumes made. And they asked women from Cake, Alaska, to do the beating of the breastplates. And I remember borrowing one of those when I first started helping out with the festival. And uh, that's what this woman told me from Cake. She said, I helped make that. And I thought that was very interesting. Yeah. And through the years, of course, it has enlarged and enlarged. But some of the first ones were just a small potluck, and they had it at the old gymnasium, the one with the rounded roof. And I remember going there and uh, to one of those potlucks, and all the women, you know, did all the work. And I'm sure the men were transporting dishes back and forth from the Sons of Norway Hall and the coffee pots and everything else. And then they added what they called a pageant, and we still have that to this day. And it was a, a showing of the children dancing. And also, at that time, there were quite a few uh, adult dancers with wearing their original costumes. And it was wonderful to see them, like Louie and Ida Severson and Bev and Jim Hammer and Arlene and Roy Otnes, Art and Janine Hammer. Those are the ones that I think of right now. Ruby Martin, uh, Emily Martin, and her husband. They were all wonderful, wonderful dancers of Shottish and Polka. It was great to see. Very great to see. And we would have special speakers that would come down. Governor Egan came down one year. I remember that very, very well. And his wife, of course. And then sometimes uh, people from the uh, International Lodge of the Sons of Norway. And we've had the Norwegian ambassador here. And we've had, you know, presidents. I believe this year the president of the Sons of Norway is coming. Dan Rude. Mm-hmm. I read that in the Viking magazine yes. just recently. <laughs> yes, so that's going to be exciting. <laughs> and uh, so many people in the town have always been involved in the whole spring festival. And it was always, I remember, starting out the pageant with Honoring Spring, the Armed Forces Day, and always with the Color Guard, and they still do that from the Coast Guard. And the beginning of the fishing season. You you always had the halibut fletching. Yes, that was a big part of the <laughs> pageant in the afternoon. And uh, two or three women, two women would come from the coal storage and they would pull the halibut up. You know, Sis Whitethorn. Sis Whitethorn, Fran Lund. Mrs. Fernandez. Pauline Fernandez. Those are the ones that I think of now. I think uh, Rose Sheldon. Mm-hmm. And that was a big thing because I don't think there are any other towns that bring in huge <laughs> halibut <laughs> and, and uh, display it and then watch these women do this perfect, perfect fletching. <laughs> it's really exciting. And I remember the kids would crawl up as far as they could so that they didn't get on the plastic where, of course, the fish guts were. But they would (laughs) just really want to see those knives. Wow. (laughs) 
Of course. Then we uh, added the Vikings and the Valkyries. Yeah, that was a whole different era. I remember um, Bunny Matheson had the idea to have some of the first Valkyries. I think the Vikings had already been for a while, right? Yes, yes. So what do you... I know Dad was one of the first Vikings, Harold Lee. Well, what I remember is that uh, they didn't have their own costumes at that time. The Vikings didn't. So they sent down to a Seattle costume house and got these <clears throat> costumes. And after that, <laughs> I think a lot of the Vikings decided, I think we could make our own <laughs> with some of the skins that they wear now and the headdresses. And now they have very fancy ones, mm-hmm. much better than the costume house place. It was like uh, red fake fur and things like that. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> but I know that um, there was... Dad, and can you remember any of the other Vikings back then? Oh, yes. fellow that ran the TV station. What was his name? Gary or somebody. Anyway. I remember Frank Richmond and Lloyd-Jones and Gerald Lynn and Wally Swanson. Oh, yeah. (laughs) They were all Vikings. And Jim Stopey, of course, through the years. And William Bergman through the years. And uh, Andy Wright... Oh, yeah. But that's but recent that's, history. That's quite recent. Yeah, right. And I remember my husband, Harold, was skipper of the Viking ship, and he made his own helmet, and it was a big square helmet for being a square hit. <laughs> <laughs> now, the acquiring of the Valhalla, that was, um, I know that that whole era, they decided they saw this boat in the Bicentennial, New York Bicentennial Parade or something like that? Well, by this time, and this was 1978, uh, we had quite a a big committee, and we'd meet weekly at the bank, and somebody came there that day of the meeting with a paper from uh, a boat brokerage place back east and they said look at this there's a viking ship for sale is it back in new jersey something like that and it would cost us ten thousand bucks well we should have that don't you think oh yeah yeah we need a new viking ship because the one we had was just a an odd little wooden boat anyhow so we called hans peterson and he was ready to sell it He'd made it to go in the parade of the fall, uh, tall ships in New York Harbor. And so through Bob Thorsonson, because he was a very instrumental in the whole festival and his wife, Pam, um, we got the loan with the bank and had this ship sent across the country. Bob and Pam met it in Seattle. They christened it and they shipped it up here. And I'll never forget going out to Alaska Marine Lines and looking at the barge. And way on top of one of those vans was this tiny little Viking ship sitting there. Wow. (laughs) That's what we're getting into, huh? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. But it was beautiful, beautifully made. Had a little engine. Yeah, it says here in the paper, it says, Vessel is powered with a four-cylinder Hercules. (laughs) 
which could push the boat at about eight knots. But the boat also came with 16 oars. Eight oarsmen sat at their own sea chests built to hold life jackets and rations. (laughs) Well, it was very exciting. And Harold Lee was a skipper. And he really worried about that ship. Because it was kind of leaky, right? Or Well, after they got it in the water, they, need, they could see that a little patching needed to be done. Uh-huh. And they did that. Mm-hmm. And Norm Fredrickson would take care of the engine and keep it going each year because it was only used in one or two days, you know, and then mm-hmm. it was stored again. So each spring there would be work that had to be done of repainting the shields. And Norm would be working on the engine and then they'd finally get it in the water again. Well, the first year that we had it, of all things, Harold called the house and said, guess what, the Viking ship is gone. No, it isn't gone. No, no, it must be a mistake. Well, it wasn't a mistake. Some marauders had seen to it, and they towed it away in the middle of the night, and they towed it to Wrangell. Well, I we remember had to... Dad was just in a state. Yes. <laughs> it was very difficult. So he snagged Palmer Thomason downtown and said, Palmer, will you go fly over to Wrangell with me? Because they found out it was over there. And I don't remember the clues for finding out where it went. Mm-hmm. Somebody else will have to tell you that. So they flew over to Wrangell and put, 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 put. They brought it back to Petersburg. The evening, Saturday evening of the festival. I remember he said how sheepish he looked walking down, well, not sheepish, but just walking down the dock in Wrangell and everybody kind of snickering. Yes. Yeah. They were all in on the big joke. Yeah, yeah. And somebody told me years later, the plan was to put it on one of those lumber ships going to Japan. Oh. <gasps> Now, I don't know if that's true or not, but that would, really would have been the end of our ship. The rivalry continues. Yes. Jeez. <laughs> so, Dad, did he sail it back a little bit? I thought there was something about sailing it, well, they too. Did. They put the... They did until they got to the end of the Narrows, and then somebody gave them a tow in because mm-hmm. it was getting late, and they were spending uh, part of the festival just bringing the boat back to where it should be. <sighs> yeah. If you're just joining us, this is Homegrown Conversations, a collaboration between KFSK and the Petersburg Public Library. I'm Kari Peterson. Today, I have an old recording from Heidi and Roxy Lee talking about the history of the Little Norway Festival. This conversation was recorded in 2010. Well, the Vikings and, and the Valkyries have had wonderful times through the years, haven't they? How about the year that you went up to capture the governor in June? Oh, yeah. As a Valkyrie. <sighs> that was a different, whole different time. That We had this idea that we were going to kidnap the governor. Like, of course we would, you know? Why not? Seems like a good idea. So I think we took the P, not the PBY, that's really old, but... Grum and Goose, and we had a beautiful flight up there, the Vikings and the Valkyries, and then we landed and got a ride up to the capital, 
And I remember seeing the secretaries like running behind their desks, like we were going to hurt them or something. They were like, ah! And then we went straight up to the governor's office and asked him to sign a petition or a paper that said he'd build a bridge to Norway. And then we just kind of strong-armed him out. And I remember there were bodyguards next to him and just saying, well, let's go back to the um, float where the plane was. And then his secretary was with him, and she was all stirred up. She's like, governor, governor, you know. And we had kind of planned it, but still, it was exciting. Then we got him on the plane, and Cynthia, of all people, had pickled herring to serve him, pickled herring on little saltine crackers with the onion on top, exactly the way you're supposed to do it. And he just kind of took one look at me like, am I supposed to eat this? It was Bill um, (laughs) Sheffield. And we thought it was the greatest thing in the world, you know. And he did eat it. But then I remember the pickled herring jar fell under the seat. And so all this pickled herring juice was running down the aisle. (laughs) Oh, fun and games. And then when we got to town, um, he... His secretary was trying to get him to go to special events, and he just goes, let's just drive out the road. (laughs) He was done with politics. (laughs) Anyway. Oh, there's a lot more stories that we probably can't tell, but... Well, I wanted to mention the style show. Oh, yeah. Because that was added years later, and what a wonderful thing to happen in our town with all these women and men modeling original, original Norwegian bunats. Mm. And then it transpired to that a lot of people would uh, make their own or have material sent over from Norway and have somebody make bunats like Glorianne Dubor Wallen. (laughs) (laughs) Anyhow, and so through the years that has been carried on and it's down at the Sons of Norway Hall on the Friday of the festival. And a beautiful lunch is served, and then uh, many, many models come out and show their costumes. And it's a big part of our festival. And then the Alma also was responsible for feeling that Petersburg should have their own Bunad. And I guess the story goes that her son, Skip, who's an artist, um, and I think he designed the sculpture in front of the building in the state capitol in Juno. Bjarni's relative. Oh, Bjarni's relative. Yeah. Anyway, she had this um, beautiful bunad designed, and then she and um, Matilda? No. Simonson? No, not Matilda. Okay. Yeah? And she got everybody to sew the bunads and a lot of people were involved with the embroidery of the bunads and they originally made like 18 costumes I think um, and then they that was their whole contribution from their family and Darlene Kahn continued making the bunads and so they're, they're responsible for the Petersburg bunads and I know Sally Norheim had a big hand in well, what she said is, 
and Torotinus. Well, she said Torotinus's son's girlfriends. <laughs> Any of her son's girlfriends were asked to help embroider too. So there's a lot of a lot of people involved with making of the first Petersburg Boonods. And these are still used today for the like ring dancers. Mm-hmm. Aren't they? Yeah, we still use those original boonads, so I'm always looking forward to getting them back at the end of the year, and then a new crop of kids use them in the future, and they've been remade, and but they've the original ones are still holding up pretty good. Can you talk about the light ring dancers a little bit? The light ring dancers, yeah. Well, f- for years, I I learned the dances from Torotinus. And that was at the old fisherman's hall that was across from the Tides Inn. And I remember she'd teach us the dances, and I just I just fell in love with it. And then later on, Ruby Martins and her daughter Polly taught me more of the adult dances. And I remember dancing around with Ruby, and she was she was about she was pretty short. But she loved to dance, and she loved kids. So I remember she was teaching me all the polka and the waltz and the shottish, and we just kept going around and around and around. And um, and so then eventually, um, I know Polly was in charge of the dancers for at least 18 years. Polly Keeneman. Polly Keeneman. Mm-hmm. And I remember seeing her dancing at the pageant with her boonot on and and her sister Pam too. Oh, I, th- I was really impressed with that. And then she asked me if I when I was a young mother, she asked me if I'd help her organize the dancers or at least come and help her teach. And so she got me going with that. And then that turns into dancing for the tour ships. And she asked me if I'd organize it for one month because she was going on a trip. And so I figured out how to do that. And then afterwards she said, well, I think you should take over. So (laughs) I took over and I think that's been my daughter's 20. So it's probably time for me to pass the torch pretty soon. But I'm still enjoying. um, We have you know kids from first through second grade and then third fourth and we've been learning some of the dances um that I learned originally this year a chair of Oten, and we still do pear spellman and evate delita the little kids do that um and then we have the older kids fifth sixth seventh and eighth and the like ring dancers and we're preparing you know, for a festival next week, kids will be in the parade, and I get really enthused when I when I'm around kids. So I still enjoy it quite a bit. Now Michelle Funt has taken over all the costumes, which is a lot. She just called me last night and said, "We're getting some new knickers made for Theo Evans. I think is <laughs> getting Wonderful. roped in, so, and also Lana Funt." has done a lot of the sewing this year to get the costumes ready. So I really appreciate all the help, and I really appreciate all the people that have helped me find costumes and find things at the Salvation Army. And, you know, 
just a little note, if anybody's got Norwegian costumes at home, I could still use them. <laughs> Good idea. <laughs> so so all kids have always been always been open for all children of Petersburg yep. to come to practice and to yep. be able to do the dances. Yep, it's always open to everybody, any culture, and it's free. And um, I remember some years, like Feeney, Hanson? Yeah, Feeney. She wore her clinket button blanket over her Norwegian bunad. And there's been a few kids that have done that. Mm-hmm. So they dance, you know, out with the clinket dancers, and then she'll take off her button blanket and do some of the Norwegian dances. But that gets to be, that's <laughs> a lot to yeah. do in one day. That certainly <laughs> is. How many children usually come? to do the dances with you for the pageant? Well, I know that we have probably about 30 kids in the little group and at least 33 or more in the old, in the third and fourth graders. We've got a good crop of boys that I'm looking forward to hanging in there with the like ring dancers. And with the like ring dancers, we have a really good bunch of about 30, 30 kids too. So it's fun. So up to 100 dancers that you're teaching in the springtime. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, so we'll look forward to next week having another big festival. That's right. Yeah. Well, some of the things that I think are pretty important, too, beside what we've already talked about, are all the different groups in town that are involved. Mm-hmm. And like the Emblem Club now puts on this smirgus board upstairs of the Elks that's open to everyone. And uh, they've been doing that for years. And the Rotary Club, for many, many years, has done this uh, wonderful salmon bake out at Sandy Beach on the Sunday of the festival. That's probably the last thing that happens during our three- and four-day time. And so many people come to that. And on a nice day, it's wonderful to sit out at the beach and eat black cod and salmon and (laughs) halibut. Plus all the cakes and cookies. I remember when you were on the committee and you were saying, you know, I'm going to call the Coast Guard families and see if they want to get involved. And who else did you draw in? Well, Forest Service, of course, and the Coast Guard. Yeah, and the Coast Guard wives. And through the years, the Coast Guard, like I mentioned before, has helped carry plates of food back and forth or big platters of of things for our smorgasbords. It used to be down at the PFI cookhouse on the water, right? Right. That was the old egg room, I think, we worked in there. I think so, yes. And they'd get it all scrubbed up and... Right. For years we had it down there. And Emily Martins, she organized it, right? I think Emily did. Yeah. Probably Ruby, too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's when you asked the what were you saying the forest service was in charge of something well they they would uh, also help out with a lot of cleanup through the years mm-hmm. you know because you put on a big dinner for no matter if it's 2 or 300 people there's still a lot of cleanup everything at that time wasn't plastic and paper mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so they've helped out an awful lot and then the coast guard usually has some kind of an open house mm-hmm. if one of their ships is in town or if a ship from another town is in, mm-hmm. in. but one thing i did want to mention with the dancing is that one year we had the norwegian ambassador to the u.s 
here as a guest, Thomas Vrelson. And the second day that he was here, his wife flew in. Her name was Vibeka. And I remember when she sat there watching the pageant, she had big tears in her eyes. And uh, I thought, oh, this really means a lot to her. And she said, you know, we have five children. And she said, none of them have learned the dances like your children have. I said, really? And she said, well, they were always scattered. They weren't in Oslo at the time. And she said, so they didn't learn the dances. And here I come to Petersburg, and your (laughs) children are learning them. And I'm feeling bad about that, and that's why I'm crying. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. (laughs) I've often heard that with people visiting, that, you know, that gree that came over and made the movie, the Doing the Norway. We had to teach her. She came and taught the kids the Norwegian greetings and things like that, but we were teaching her about the dancing, too. Mm -hmm. So she always said she learned a lot when she came here. Sure. And speaking of dancing, the Sikwakwan dancers have been in the pageant many years. Mm -hmm. Yes. And also the parade. We, We forgot to mention that on Friday after the Bunad luncheon, there's usually a parade downtown. Mm-hmm. And the Sikwakon dancers are usually in that. And the, your dancers are in there too, Heidi. Yeah. And a band, if we have a band in town. Yep, it's always a great way to start the festival, really. And Judy Forgey, she's been organizing that for years. She's got it down, so she just says a few things to me, and I know exactly what my cues are. And it's either you go before the Viking ship or after. That's what it all comes down to. <laughs> And nowadays the Viking ship goes down the main street and it's loaded with kids. The kids get to ride. Well, that could Percent. be changing. That's that, changing? Okay. It makes makes people pretty nervous to see all those kids up there. They don't want it to topple over. So that's that's up for discussion right okay. now. Yeah. The ship no longer gets wet. It doesn't go in the water right now, yeah. It I remember Dale Rose used to be in charge of getting it going in the later years and it took so much that um and it would always have to soak up a lot of water and it was almost like at the sinking point there was pumps and everything like that so i think it just got to be too much Mm -hmm. but so this year in 2010 Janet Holton is overall chair. Yep, she's doing a really good job. And, you know, she's a busy person, but she she manages to sneak in time to organize the whole festival, and she always says, well, I've got a good team. But, yeah, and she does. There's a lot of good people on the committee. But, um, yeah, Janet is positive influence, that's for sure. And Holly Flint is in charge of the pageant, is that true? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yep. And that's a big thing up at the gymnasium on Saturday afternoon, usually at 3 o'clock. Mm-hmm. So we hope a lot of people turn out for that. It's a nominal fee, or is there a fee? I think it's, well, this is, I think it was it was free last year. Um, they want people to come, but, yeah, she took over from Glow, who chaired it for many, many years and put in so much time welcoming people and making baskets for 
you know, the visiting dignitaries. Oh, there's so much. Anyway, everybody makes it work. Right, including the people that have the art show. And that's been going for years. Local artists Mm -hmm. that display their wares. And uh, we've had it many different places. We've had it upstairs of the council chambers. Mm -hmm. We've had it in the bank buildings. Mm -hmm. And now it resides at the Klassen Museum. Yep. I believe that's a place this year. But a lot of people involved in hanging it Mm or showing their artwork. And local people love to come to that. Mm -hmm. Also the outsiders. Yeah. Well, let's see. There was also the talk about the sister city. Oh, yes. Hammerfest, Norway. Mm -hmm. And one year the mayor of Hammerfest came over with his wife, Mr. Olson, and his wife, Mary. And uh, they were our guests for the whole festival. And through the years, we've sent things back and forth. And I think the last thing that I know of that had to do with that was when Dr. John Berggren and his wife, Lori, visited Hammerfest. And they were given a big, beautiful crystal face Mm -hmm. in memory of the times that the Olsons had come over here. Well, Mom, to wrap this up, I just want to thank you and Dad for spending all that time in the early years going to all those meetings. I remember you'd come home and talk about it, and you spent a lot of time doing that. And and I just want to appreciate your community service that you put in over the years. Thank you, Heidi. <laughs> I just want to say that there were so many different peoples that have helped on those committees. Yeah. Thank you to Heidi and Roxy Lee for sharing all those wonderful Little Norway memories with us. And thank you to the friends of Petersburg Libraries for making today's show possible. This has been Homegrown Conversations, a collaboration between KFSK and the Petersburg Public Library.